Ooh, oh god. I had to do a little improvising over here. Is yours like here. broken? It, what did it's you do to sagging. it? It's sagging. It's sagging. It's like an old man's dick. It's just <laughs> not staying upright. So I had to improvise with a feast for crows. <laughs> it's helping me prop up my mic. It's fine. All right. Did we announce... I hate it. Let's watch it in the Riverdale episode. I don't think we did. No, we did not. <laughs> we never identified ourselves. We could have been total strangers. <laughs> just pontificating. Just taking over. <laughs> Imposters. Oh, wow. Well, just to get this out of the way, this is I hate it. Let's watch it. I'm Lisa. I'm Dawn. And we're sorry for not for not identifying for ourselves. Not addressing who we are. Yeah, because everyone is unclear. Up until the point that we introduce ourselves, yes. they are unclear. <laughs> they have no idea what about they're listening who to, who we are, or so, who. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to talk about this movie because when I first saw it, I had a feeling deep down in my little gut that this was gonna be pod material. You did this movie. I had questions throughout. Well, yeah, I was telling you my notes. I don't think I've written a question mark so many times after a statement. Yeah. That I made. And I honestly, I like to highlight the points that I want to talk about. There's a lot. (laughs) You just highlighted the whole page. I might as well have. Okay. Before we get into it, I really need to talk about the cocktail that we have prepared for this evening because I want to drink it. Yeah. Same. (laughs) So we need to discuss Prosecco, Malibu, Strawberry Kiwi, a juice, and a little strawberry garnish. That's pretty much it. It's our take on a mimosa of some sort. Yes. A little fancy mimosa. So cheers. Cheers. Clink. Oh, that's fresh. Oh, in the very words refreshing. Of, in the words of Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids, oh, that's fresh. <laughs> I really wanted lemonade after that scene. Like, right? I just, I needed a glass of lemonade. so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a nice summer drink, so a beachy kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it. The only reason I suggested it was because scenes in the mo- they were constantly at parties but one of the parties they were at it was like a pool party in the backyard and they were playing a game with a cocktail so i was like huh outdoorsy summertime cocktail would probably suffice right yeah i i couldn't quite tell she drank pretty much everything so oh yeah like me so yeah. I, I get it well when you said you wanted to do a signature cocktail for this movie i was like of what because she drinks wine she drinks what looked like whiskey maybe like <laughs> that's what i'm saying so we're, we're combining prosecco and rum yeah so there's some as many alcohols of- as possible in the same glass so we're we're combining yeah we got it we efforts. got this guys yeah if you were questioning this was a nice joint effort <laughs> cocktail this week Yes, most of the credit goes to Dawn. She uh, recently had a cocktail similar. Mm-hmm. So we're it blew ins- my mind. We were inspired. So we're covering Deep Water. Yes, on Hulu, starring Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. I don't know where you want to start with this. What's your burning question? <sighs> God. My first comment was, I really want to see the floor plan of this house because there were staircases everywhere. And doorways. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make sense. There I wanted- were two doors to every room, it looked like. Yeah, I wanted to see where everything was laid out because especially in that opening scene. Why were those stairs outside? Exactly. They are nicely finished and varnished stairs and they are just exposed to the elements. There's a door to the left and a door to the right and it's like I think it goes to like a loft of some kind. I thought that it was a mudroom but they're outside. That is a porch. That is a front porch to the front door and yet there is just a staircase. 
available. Right. So, and it splits into, it's... <laughs> it's a weird layout. Yeah, and then even when you go inside, there's another staircase that leads to the second floor. So where do those staircases lead? What floor do they open up onto? I did make a comment, though, that this house looks like it's something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It does look like a haunted house house. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the confusing stairways. It's very much Hogwarts, where they're just <laughs> stairways moving and shifting and And just in places you don't expect them to be. But that was confusing to me right off the bat. My other first thought was that Melinda should not be a mother. A thousand percent. First of all, you could tell that he is the better parent. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I loved this kid. She was really cute. She was so cute, hilarious. And at one point I made a note to say she's way older than her age. Yes, and I think that was supposed to kind of come through because they do talk about how intelligent she is. But, like, she has a grasp on everything. She's not just smart in the school sense, but just the things she picks up on and how she questions things. I mean, it's very, very intelligent, and she's also very funny. So it surprised me that she likes to listen to Old MacDonald on repeat. Right, Especially, it was a weird, it was a weird thing. I don't right, know. Right. Especially when she knew the other song that they were playing in the car when she was doing the sing-along, which was also in the credits. That was so cute. I love that they chose that scene for the credits. I thought that was really cute. <sighs> and that they were singing together during, like, in yes. the middle of the I loved it. It was sweet. And, you know, I don't often like kids in movies because they almost always intentionally try to make them annoying. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprised to find myself liking this, this look. And I felt like there was just enough of her you know oh yeah in an adult movie where adult things are going on you really don't need a child but they did have one so right so we had to deal with it but she was all right for that i was actually i made a note and i was like wait a minute that's their child i was so (laughs) not so much surprised because of him but because of her yes well yeah because you wouldn't think that she would want and and they do reference this later where they're talking he's like we have a child Mm -hmm. we have a family and she's like that was your choice and it's like ooh. But you're the vessel for that child. so Right. You can make <laughs> the decision. Yeah, it's kind of up to you in a way that it could never be up to a man. So and I kind of wish and that's kind of my overarching philosophy for this movie was I just wish we had more because mm-hmm. I don't from the context that they gave us. There just wasn't enough. I wanted to know why they why they had a family, how he convinced her to have a family. Did he poke holes in the condom? Did he pretend or, you know, like he's how it, did he trick her into having a family? Right. And I feel throughout the movie. Why is he so desperate to keep her? Oh, my God, Don, I have this question, too, <laughs> because I don't know what he's, he's getting. So like his whole thing was he's letting her live her life so they don't get divorced. It, now, he's the one with the money. He's the genius. Right. What are you afraid of? Yes. Yeah, I have that question as well, especially because I really struggled with the fact that he was so pathetic in that way Mm -hmm. where he just kind of let her do whatever and disrespect him and there were so many moments where she's just flaunting these other relationships in his face and it he doesn't necessarily lay down and take it because he i mean obviously it does because he he doesn't he doesn't he he tried to intimidate joel that's the first boyfriend that we mm-hmm. meet. And he tries to intimidate him by implying that he killed her last, uh, you know, boy toy. Mm-hmm. And 
then he does kill her subsequent right. <laughs> boy toy. So it's con- uh he's not totally passive, but he's also still allowing her to just do whatever she wants. It's a very strange juxtaposition mm-hmm. of views that it was hard to kind of pinpoint how I felt about him as a character. Because at times I hated him and I was like, you are pathetic. And other times I was like, that was kind of funny. You made a real sassy comment there. Right. My favorite was when they invited Joel over for the meal before he moved and he made the lobster bisque that nobody ate, basically. And him and Melinda had this weird back and forth while they were eating. Mm -hmm. And she was like, don't be rude. He's like, I'm not being rude. I made lobster bisque. (laughs) And I laughed. I laughed twice because I did watch this movie twice. And (laughs) both times I laughed because I thought that was really funny. So it's like he's not completely impotent. Right. But he's also allowing this to go on. And it's just so weird. That's where I, yeah, that's where I got confused. I mean, clearly throughout, but at one point, I'm like, you can change this. The way he was reacting sometimes, I was like, but you allow this or what do you expect to happen? It was weird. It was very strange. And so presumably they've been married as long as their daughter has been alive. Or at, at least, least at least yeah. have been together for as so long as six six years. Yeah, sure, roughly. So has this always been how it was? And again, this is where I'm saying like I needed more context for this movie. Has this always been the way it was? And if so, why now does he snap and start killing people? Because the only thing you know, the first person to associate with Melinda who goes missing and is turns up dead is Martin McCray. Mm-hmm. Which they are constantly joking about him killing him. Did he kill him? Because he tells Joel that he killed Martin McCray and he tells him he killed him with a hammer. Mm-hmm. But when Martin McCray's body is found, the news reporter says that he was shot. And in a later scene, they say they caught the guy who did it. So is that just convenient did they think that a hammer to the head looked like a gunshot and then they found somebody who did kill him or was like close enough or something and now he's off the hook? That was one of my major questions because it was unclear to me if we were supposed to think that he did that murder or not. I feel like he did not kill him. Okay. And obviously, given the circumstances of their relationship, the friends, other people think that that's the case. So it's become a running joke. Right. So now that gives him leeway to do it because right. he can easily okay. pass it off as, right, no, like, I yeah, didn't we fucking joked, kill the first Why would I yeah, kill like this Yeah, like we one? joked about this the, this guy. Like, right. I'm obviously joking this time. Okay. I can, I guess I can buy that. And also, we didn't see the dynamic with the first one. No. So to go from Joel to Charlie to Tony, nothing was different. Right. So to watch him grow increasingly frustrated or pent up rage, you know, all that throughout, I was like, dude, you allowed. What are you expecting to happen? Right. And this is why I'm asking, when did this pattern of behavior start? Because it does seem like we're coming in in the middle of the story and yet things are happening for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because even in the beginning at that party, the first party, his friends come to him. They're like, we're concerned. We're seeing this weird behavior. You know, Melinda's kind of crazy. We're concerned for you. And if this is the first time they're approaching him... (laughs) 
are we supposed to think that I don't think it is though this is when it's ramping up or has she always been like this because I feel like some of them had that reaction but then some were just like how are you doing (laughs) I'm so sorry sir right like how are you (laughs) handling this but it's like again why why do we have sympathy when he allows it and he says throughout the movie too he's like I give her her freedom I'm not one to hold a girl down or Whatever it is, yeah, I it's like I'm not gonna, life. right? I'm I don't not make gonna, choices. yeah, I'm not gonna cage her, up. right? Cage her up or whatever it is, and it's like okay, but also you to, hate but like, this, like yeah, you clearly hate this, it and I want to know what the the divorce threat is because that's the whole thing. Yeah, he doesn't want a divorce, so he's doing whatever she wants. How much money would she be getting unless he's afraid of her getting the daughter? And that's the only way to keep the family together is to appease her. Maybe. I just feel like why would she ever get the daughter? She doesn't. She's awful. Oh, my God. It's we'll have, so fucking We'll bad. have to talk about it towards the end because I do think that that kind of plays a role in what happens in the end of this movie. But for the whole Which movie. Which shocked me the most. Oh, yes. For the whole movie. She was the most absent mother. And then when she was present as a mother, she was just the most miserable bitch in the world. So to think that she could ever gain full custody of this child is beyond. Plus, she was an alcoholic. She yeah. was constantly drunk. And constantly out. Yeah, like exactly. Putting Spending her the bed. night out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sorry. I-, I think that's what made me love the father-daughter relationship more. Because mm-hmm. it was like, I feel like you're both bonding over the fact that, yeah, like... they had only each other. <laughs> they only had each other. But also, he's the genius, and she got the genius. Yes. Yeah. So it... That made me feel good. Right. He's... He is getting something out of this. It's so weird. We are rooting for the murderer in this movie. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he should have been committing the murder. No, 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 no. But I felt... At one point, I think I wrote my notes. I'm like, is it weird that I'm on his side with this? Yeah. Because she was really fucking annoying at mm-hmm. pretty much any given moment. And... I think the part that I was the most confused at was, all right, she was fine with Joel, which can I just make a side note? He looked a lot like Matt Damon and it really bothered me because there's no relation. (laughs) With a really bad wig? (laughs) No, but like even his voice. Okay. And his mannerisms. And I'm like, this is weird. I had a real problem with their makeout scene at the party. Mm. Did you notice this? He didn't move. He looked like a fucking broom with a wig on and she was just like making Maybe out with it. Maybe that was the point because he knew that I was, Vic was there. so uncomfortable. It was it deeply was weird. uncomfortable it was to watch. That, and I think that was the moment when I knew that this was a pod movie because I was like, oh my God, I could talk about how uncomfortable this scene is. Oh for my God. Well, a lot, of, a lot of the scenes were uncomfortable, but. The other thing about that initial scene when she was dressing to get ready for the party and she was like, come help me get dressed. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck wears thigh highs anymore? Can we talk about that? I mean, like, unless you're specifically trying to seduce people, which I guess maybe you could argue that she was trying to seduce Joel. But in a practical sense, why would you ever wear thigh highs? I wonder if she's trying to keep up a certain persona. Like, I'm sophisticated, but I'm also fucking other guys. Is that what thigh highs say? I'm sophisticated, but I'm fucking other guys? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going with that. Okay, good to know. (laughs) Just saying. The minute I see my married friends wearing thigh highs, I know it's over. Oh, yeah. You know that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even think- Warning to everyone. I don't don't think I own a garter belt that, like, doesn't go with a set of lingerie. That's what I'm saying. Because why- (laughs) Stupid. It reminds me of every erotica novel ever where they're like, 
they wear pencil skirts to work, but with thigh highs and a garter belt. And it's like, who the fuck does that? Literally, who yeah, does that? Shut up. <laughs> You're just preparing for sex with your boss. It's not a thing that actually happens. No, it does not. So with Joel, she was like, fine. Then he's gone, but he doesn't kill him. He just scares him off. No, and, and it's ironic because Joel's probably one of the stupidest people. It would have been the easiest one to do. Yes, but he is somehow the smartest person because as soon as Vic remotely threatens him, he's like, I'm moving to New Mexico. Bye. And then gets the fuck out of right. there. Right. Which that, makes it, leads me to believe he's been in this position before. Or at least threatened at some least, capacity. Or like, has an iota of common sense because well, yeah. the other guys just, they have no problem flaunting their relationship in front of Vic and it's just like, dudes. Even if the the woman tells you that her husband is cool with Thank it. you. That's in my notes. You should not go up to them and thank them for being cool with it. Just leave it. It's, it's an unspoken thing. You don't have Give to address it. Give each other the it. nod and exactly. go away. Exactly. Unless it's like an organized threesome situation, which this was not. No. There's no reason to cross swords in that way. Yeah. And I also think that Joel was the most considerate of the situation. He clearly was uncomfortable. Right. Whereas uh, well, Charlie and yeah. Tony were like, I'm making out right in front of him. I don't give a fuck. Like, hello? Yeah. As the guy, how are you not uncomfortable? Yes. Again, like you said, she could tell him whatever. It's cool. But I would still be like, okay, that's fine, but I don't want to do it in front of them. Right. I, I think Joel was the only person who didn't 100% take Melinda at face value when she said that, oh, my husband doesn't care. I think he, I mean, f- to be fair, Vic did threaten him the most. <laughs> a- Which out is of ironic of the whole situation. <laughs> yeah. He was probably the least threatening person. But he read that situation properly in that, oh, she's telling me he's cool with this, but he's acting really not cool with this. So I'm just going to fuck on out of here. Which is the smart thing to do. Which is the smart thing to do. And that's why he survives. And I just find that really ironic because I think of the three of them, he was probably the stupidest on surface mm-hmm. level. <laughs> You're just like this guy. <laughs> really? Right. A total dude to do. Even like in normal conversations. But then... He could pick up cues like that. And right. It's like, wow. Realize that he was in trouble and get himself you out. You definitely lived a, an insane life, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know can, a thing or two. You can tell people in Albuquerque or Santa Fe, I can't remember which one he was moving to, about how you escaped near death by your lover's husband. I also love, too, that, again, they have a child. And she goes, Trixie, dad's going to read you a ton yes. Of bedtime stories. She doesn't hide it. It's right. And it's so like, obvious. she's six. You might as well have said, mom's going to go fuck Joel. Yeah. Stay in your room. Go ahead go and to bed. hang out with dad. <laughs> like, it was so horrible. I feel so bad for this kid. I know. Talk about therapy when she gets older. I mean, she's going to need a ton of shit. Well, and these are the same situations where you look at Vic and you're just like, you are so pathetic. How can you let your wife do this right in front of your face? Even if his six-year-old daughter doesn't pick up on it, which she probably did. But even if she doesn't, he's going to. This movie is a masterclass in emasculation. It's 
hard to Doesn't watch. Doesn't Joel say something? He does. And he calls it remasculation. Remasculation. He's, he's like, I'm sorry to remasculate you. Yeah. yeah. He's an idiot. Again, like, he's the stupidest person in this movie, and yet somehow he survives. But he knows how to live. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's so uncomfortable to watch sometimes because you're like, what is Vic getting from this woman that he can't leave her? Because this is so disrespectful, and it's happening right in front of his child. And can I tell you, okay, so they're having their dinner or whatever. And I forget if Joel asks or Melinda volunteers how her and Vic met or their first date or something. Oh, oh, yes. When they, he she, says she has the palate of a 12 year old. Or yes. Something. And he goes, she ordered off the children's menu. Yes. And she's like, oh, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, I fucking order off the child's menu. But then he goes to save room for alcohol. Yes. Genius plan, actually. And I said that was very smart. Yes! <laughs> Oh my god, I fucking wrote the same John, we're the same person. We are the same person. <laughs> That's so funny. And then I also wrote, but I'd also order mac and cheese instead. Oh, but did you not want grilled cheese after that scene? Because the way that Joel was really raping about this grilled cheese that mm-hmm. he made instead of the lo- I mean, I would have wanted the lobster bisque and the grilled mm-hmm. cheese, like to dip, you know, a little hand dipping situation. But he made the grilled cheese sound delicious. Uh-huh. I was definitely craving grilled cheese. I thought that was a great quip and a <laughs> little sure dig. Was. And it was also very educational. Yes, yeah, a good a good pro tip for those of us who like our alcohols. Yeah. I always have a I'm rule. going out to dinner tomorrow, I think think i am going to order off the children's done i have a rule it's called eat less drink more it makes sense and i do this for the holidays because there's always a surplus of Mm -hmm. food my family always makes way too much food and so i always end up eating too much food taste a little drink a lot yes exactly the balance is that a shirt i think that's gonna be a shirt (laughs) well you're the merch designer so (laughs) you tell me come on it's a combined effort i just sit there and put it together yeah so uh joel's out of the picture now we can leave joel i'm assuming yeah alone he's good let's just okay i also love how he's like your uber's here he's like i didn't order one yes again (laughs) again this is what i'm saying because vic is so pathetic but at other times he makes these really passive aggressive moves and you're just like damn i kind of respect you i kind of want to suck your dick (laughs) i'm like kind of impressed (laughs) by how you're fighting back on this sort of micro level but Man, but those other scenes where he's, you can tell he's just so embarrassed by Mm -hmm. the fact that she's doing these things right in front of his face. And it's like, I don't know how to feel about any of this. And even at, oh God, when they go to the, they're always going to parties. They're always at parties. And, oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and then well, I have I was, other stuff. I was going to talk about the party in which he dances with the, the writer's wife. And he's got- Everybody's so surprised that he's He's got dancing. one dance move. They spin around in circles until they're ready to throw up. But they're shocked. They're like, oh my yeah. God, have you ever seen Vic dance before? Yeah. And it's like an ongoing joke that I thought was actually kind of funny. He was clearly doing it to make Melinda jealous. Mm-hmm. And it works, except she almost bites his dick off. Okay. (laughs) Wait, I have another comment. Hold on. Again, it's highlighted. I have to talk about it. Um, I wrote, oh, yay, Roadhead. I said, and then I wrote, now I'm a fan of giving blowjobs, but this is legit horrible. And then I go, and she's biting him. Yeah. But then given the context of the situation, I said, why can she get mad? Yes, yeah, why does she feel Why like- are you fucking mad at him for yeah. dancing with a chick? When you're fucking other men. 
<laughs> and the question was, do you think of her? Do you think she'd be better than me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, probably. Fuck off. You sleep in separate rooms. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? Right. You have no right to be offended if he thinks that sex with somebody else could be better. And but she has so much control over him. It's which I'm still not understand. We never, I know, we never gain clarity on that we at don't. all. They have that conversation on the stairs where she's like, "You'd be so bored, you'd kill yourself if you were weren't with me." And it's just like, uh, I don't know about that. Is that true though? He has his snails. And if it, okay, no, Let- that's a whole conversation. <laughs> wait, wait, no, wait, wait, we're not ready for the snails. We're not ready for the snails. We need yet. to drink more of our drinks before we can get to <laughs> can i tell you my next my next fucking point because they end up having sex when they get home yes because it's the whole fuck off fuck, i'm right yeah, you're fuck wrong you, the I whole thing. You, let's fuck yeah we've all done that i'm like his nose was legit in her butthole <laughs> she asked him to kiss her ass so he did it literally and it that's such a weird thing to ask for right you should be kissing his fucking ass honestly i i don't think I I would never ask a guy to kiss my ass. Well, literally, that no. That would not feel. I mean, it, it wouldn't feel like anything. I, right? It's, it's just my ass. Can I tell you? I have. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> this what? Is, no, this is terrifying. I, that I'm admitting this. Oh no! On a public platform, I'm scared for you. I haven't gotten any in a very long time. <laughs> oh okay. Yes. But the last time I did, I didn't have my ass tattoo. That legit says "bite me." <laughs> right. <laughs> Should say "kiss me." Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, anybody in the future, yeah. do you think they'll take it literally and bite me? See, now, biting, I think I would respond to more. And that's my cheek, not my right. whole. Right, right, yeah. It depends on what we're... It, on, you wouldn't want to okay, kiss but the if hole you said, either. No, but, okay. Or <laughs> no. bite it. No. That's no, true. I don't know how not. you would do that, but We okay. don't want to do anything with the hole, but... <laughs> When someone says kiss my ass, do you think of the hole? No, I don't. I don't think of anything. I think of an insult. I think it's like kiss Right, my but ass. if you were going to go literal, I'm kissing a butt cheek. I'm yeah, not kissing your it's hole. It's a cheek. Yeah, for sure. It's a Thank cheek. Thank you. Okay, that's all I needed to yeah, know. Yeah, no, but that's just a weird thing to ask for. You know, you can ask for lots of things in a sexual encounter and I just, and a kiss on my ass cheek would not turn me on. And I also feel like he should be the one demanding shit because clearly that's the only time you'd be able to. Right. Yeah. This is the only power you have in the relationship. Because once so. you're done, you go back to your room. Yes. Yeah. And she could possibly sneak out to the next guy. Who exactly. the fuck knows? And I have to say, I did have to put subtitles on to make sure she said kiss my ass because I heard her say my ass and I was like, did she say lick? Like what? Like because lick would be different. Because then I would think hole. Right. Like I said, his nose was basically. In her <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to get into that. Sniff but my ass. No. I yeah. Know. No. I. I just. I had to double check because I was like, that doesn't sound right at all. But Mm-mm. it was in fact correct. So they do seem to appreciate each other on some level. Weirdly, I just don't quite. I just don't quite get it. So. Why did they get a dog? Why Why does Vic bring Trixie to get a dog? Is it just to make up for all this nonsense that's going on around her? Maybe to just distract her from this shit. Because it seems to be elevate, more elevated now than it ever had been. Right. Well, but it was again. That's what I'm saying. Like, has this why been going now? on for all of Trixie's life? Well, it's funny because he does say at one point, he's like, remember Martin? Remember mommy's friend Martin? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like these people come around. There's no hiding it, like yeah. you said. So she gets some vibe, you know. So it's like maybe he's 
thinking like she's not skipping a beat even after charlie which we'll get into charlie but she does not skip a fucking beat yeah one guy's gone she's on to exactly it's almost like she has them lined up in in a sequence because how can you replace them like where do you find them (laughs) how are you accumulating these men it's just it's so wild to me so i honestly think it was supposed to be a distraction maybe even for him too like he just wanted that man's best friend yeah i mean we can talk about it again later but he does bring the dog to a murder so like that really bothered me fucking hilarious (laughs) he needed he needed the lead (laughs) he needed something why was the dog there it was just it was a whole thing and it's such a cute little dog it's it's not even like it's so cute yeah like it didn't even help him in the murder it didn't help him in the murder and then the (laughs) drive home he's just sitting in his arm like just falling asleep it's like you have any idea what happened here little dog like this is just another day god man you have to buy me a new leash again (laughs) yeah again this dog is just is like trixie another party to the trauma didn't deserve any of it just accepting it and moving on so yes we meet charlie the 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 pianist pianist. giggity (laughs) and i mean I'm already a fan of well, Jacob yeah, Lordy, so yes. the funny thing is, I didn't realize he was in this movie until a couple weeks before it came out. There was oh, I didn't article. realize until I watched it. There was <laughs> no, I told you about this. Did I, you? I literally did because it was so shocking to me that he was in it. But I had read an article. I'm pretty sure it was on BuzzFeed where. The title was something along the lines of, you know, Jacob Elordi doesn't feel like he's participated in a serious film despite having, you know, been in this movie with Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. They made it sound like it was a snub, that he was basically saying this wasn't a legitimate movie. Mm -hmm. But actually, now that I have seen the movie, I realize it's because Jacob Elordi was in this movie for about two minutes and had approximately... Three lines throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. So I agree with him. This was not his serious movie appearance. I do find it funny, though, because Sam Levinson, who was on this movie. Wait, really? Is a writer for Euphoria. Wait, really? What yes. did he do? Did he write the script? Screenplay. Holy shit. Why wasn't there we more We have to nudity? blame him. Why wasn't there more penises floating around? Right? Because that's his deal, right? <laughs> so many penises. So many. So yeah, you would think he would get... You would think Nate, Nate, <laughs> would get <laughs> Nate, Charlie, Jacob, whatever the fuck your name is. That guy from Euphoria. Um, would get more screen time. Or they'd give him the Tony role or something like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, deeply disappointed in the length of time that Jacob Lord was in this movie because I love looking at his face. So He is adorable. To, to have him die so quickly was just tragic for me. And we don't even get to see any sex scenes. There is a flash of it yeah. when he's when um, Vic is getting all up in his head about it, and he's imagining that they were having sex. Mm-hmm. But I, it wasn't enough for me to be able to translate that to myself. So it's just it's not useful to me. This death was very convenient for Vic. It was fucking bold and very this- bold. There was a time. To- okay, I love the friend Grant. I love him. I find yes. him hilarious. And he was also in Get Out. Hilarious in that as well. Wasn't Get Out a scary movie? Yeah, but he was hilarious in that. Okay. <laughs> like he he brought It's like that's not a funny He movie. <laughs> brought the comedic relief as he did in this one. But okay. as they're sitting there, it's pouring out. Everybody's getting out of the pool. Which is weird. You're already wet. So. And you think everybody's out of the pool. And mm-hmm. then you notice Charlie in the corner opposite them. And then Grant is <laughs> like, am I high? Is it raining? Yeah, he's like, is it raining, man? He's like, oh, it is. I should leave. So then you just see the look on Vic's face. And I'm like, dude, there's witnesses. Right. 
There are witnesses. It would have been so easy for somebody to look out the window and see what was going on. And first of all, they do the CPR. Right. Can then say, Don drops Can him. I say I gasped out loud because of the sound it made oh, when it he was hit a legit, the ground? Yep. It was like juicy sounding brain matter yeah, and I, I, I almost choked. We pick a lot of brain matter movies. <laughs> um, also, that's like the second main time you've said brain matter. Um, We're trying to up that count. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of happy Don was the one that dropped him. Yeah. Because so I felt like it would have been an easier way to blame. Look at how I'm defending him. It was an yeah, easier wow. way to defend Vic, uh, blame Vic. But anyway, so yeah, so then they try to give him CPR, fucking drop him. Now, she flips. A shit. Holy hell. She does not. She goes cool. Penelope Cruz in blow. Like she starts <laughs> screaming in her accent. Like I'm talking full blown. You killed him. You did this. Da da da. In front of the police too. In she's front so, of the police. She's so quick to throw him right under the But not bus. even that. As he's doing CPR, she's like, oh, you're, yeah. you're doing, doing it, it wrong. wrong. Mind you, the water's coming out of his mouth. Right. He's doing something. Yeah, I thought he was doing it right. <laughs> That looked right to me. Like, I don't, bitch, I don't think you've ever given CPR, so shut up. Also, I don't even know that he necessarily would have cared if he had survived, because either he would have succeeded in scaring Charlie away from Melinda, mm-hmm. or he would probably just try and kill him again. So I think right. attempting to save him for real could only help him. If, right. he, if he succeeded, he would just either try again another day, or he wouldn't have a problem. And if he didn't succeed, then at least it would have looked like he was trying. So there was no harm in that. Yeah. So he's getting questioned by the cops. They were talking about the time frame in which he'd get from here to there, whatever, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I burnt my hand right. on the cookies. I and I was like, wait a cookie. minute, did he fucking plan it that way? That's why I was... Because mm, yeah. his, his genuine reaction to picking up a cookie. Right. But like, did he do that on purpose? But did he do to it have on an purpose? alibi? Potentially. I think... And, and, that's, and that's why I had the question about Martin McRae. Because this does not feel like somebody who is murdering for the first time. Mm. You know, he he p- picked his moment. It was risky, but he still got away with it and has sort of ready responses. He's not shaken up by it. It, it feels like something he has done before. Mm-hmm. So and the fact that this other guy went missing and he's killed two others of her lovers. I find that so suspicious. And I, but we don't have enough to connect him to the first murder. But I just, I have a feeling that he's done it before because he handled this with such finesse and calm that I don't think you would if you were murdering out of passion rather than out of calculating cold, I need to kill my wife's lovers. And I do question, though, the investigation, because I think given the flashbacks that we saw when they showed him strangling Charlie in the pool, there was a struggle. So I think there would have been defensive wounds. I think you would have seen they were also in the bruising. Pool, what do you mean? You kind of lose. You would still bruise, though. I think you just lose that impact of responding. It's harder to react. Like I mean, you're in the what? You're not sure. Like but you can't like think about it. Like if you tried to run in the water, you can't. If you you know, so like him trying to fight back underwater, your movements are slower. So I don't think 
the fight back would have had any there wouldn't be any proof to I would argue for bruises because I think whether or not you can move quickly enough to cause a lot of scratches or cuts or anything you might be able to get a grip on somebody's wrist and be like fucking let go of me and squeeze hard enough to like Mm. try and release because I'm trying to think if somebody's trying to strangle me or like hold me underwater I'm probably trying to grab their hands you know, like stop their, mm-hmm. stop the pressure on my neck. So I, I just, I they also said he was drunk. He had been drinking. Yes, I just, uh, a lot. Don't you think that there would be more people killing people in this way if it was that easy to get away with? I don't think people are thinking about that often. Oh, well, I am. <laughs> it was just a very convenient situation for Vic. I don't know. I think that, especially given that Melinda threw suspicion on him immediately that even if they thought she was being hysterical and kind of crazy, that it would make sense to kind of take a closer look and see if there were defensive wounds or if if Charlie had any, you know, pressure wounds on his neck, mm-hmm. something like that. He had to have been held underwater. Vic said that he didn't seem like a strong swimmer, but we don't know that. So it could have taken a long time to drown him. Yeah. I question that whole scene. I just, I feel like that is so unlikely to have happened without anybody noticing. I just, I mean, it's, it's the movie aspect of it. Yeah. And I also feel like if it wasn't raining, he wouldn't have been able to do it either. Well, nobody would have left the pool. So yeah, there would have been witnesses. (laughs) Well, yeah. But I mean, just everything like visibility, sound. She had the music blasting in the house. Yeah, I, I, I can see like how it could have happened. It just it would require everything to line up perfectly to allow for this to happen. So like it's not impossible, but I just I, I think it was pretty risky mm. to do it in that way. And again, either that's the mark of somebody who is acting impulsively, which it really doesn't seem like he was, or somebody who knows what they're doing and can get it done in a way where they won't be caught. Mm. I also felt like her being so hysterical. I'm like, bitch, you're just going to get another guy. Why she are you so She was so upset? annoying. She's just annoying. She's an annoying like, person. Again, her reaction to him dying, you would think it was Tony because she actually knew Tony. Right. In her path. Like, she just met this guy and asked him for piano lessons. Yeah, I we it's kind of unclear. We we find out about her relationship to Charlie when Vic does. We don't know how long they were seeing each other prior to that, but I mean, we can assume it's a relatively recent. Right, it's fresher than her relationship with Tony. Cuz it does seem like she only has them one at a time. Mhm. I mean, thank God she doesn't overlap. Yeah, based on our knowledge of what happens in the movie, nothing has overlapped. But yeah, she kind of waits for one to that's really or die, die. (laughs) because that's the thing. Now Vic is killing her lover, so they can't overlap. So we should mention the writer, Don. Don is that his name? I don't like him. No, he's pretty obnoxious and i think we're supposed to feel that way but i also wasn't necessarily rooting against him i just thought he was pretty dumb in the way that he went about yeah things but he... i actually wrote time to kill don <laughs> yeah <laughs> at that point i was like uh you're annoying me enough yeah he was i didn't like, like him. why are you so invested i didn't like him from the first time we met him where he, oh yeah he said he was writing a book and and he was basing it on his own life. And I was just like, all right. 
Shut up. Okay, then. You probably lead the most boring life ever as an old white man. So, But he hires a private investigator at this point to follow Vic because he's convinced that Vic had something to do with Charlie's death. Could we just backtrack really Yes. Quick? Trixie's getting a bath. <laughs> right. This, it goes back to how fucking smart she is. She literally says to Vic, I think you drowned him and you're just not telling me. Right. And I'm like, fuck, girl, like, what is going on? Because we know your mother's not talking to you. So it's what you're just overhearing. Yeah. And and observing. Yeah. She and probably I just, knows that she can, it, she's probably got the emotional intelligence to realize. But she also doesn't exactly seem scared of him on. or upset. No, because he loves her. I think that's pretty clear. Right. But if your dad killed somebody. This is the same conversation he had with Melinda, where he was like, if I did kill this guy, aren't you afraid of me? And yes. she was like, no, I'm the thing you, you killed for. And I think in some way, Trixie is also the thing that he's killing for. Right. If he's trying to preserve their family. Yeah. But I, but I also heard, have concerns yeah. that she's a sociopath as well. I mean, she's coming from two completely psychotic parents. So the odds of her turning out normal pretty low she's gonna have a decent mix of the both of them because a she's a genius but she's also gonna have right she's she's crazy and and she does you're right she reacts to that and handles that situation with an eerie sort of calm that you would not expect from a young child so even if she does understand it on some level the fact that she can understand it makes me feel like she's gonna grow up to be a serial killer i also loved how much she questioned him yeah like he's trying to convince it's like basically say like no yeah she i didn't, didn't do it buy and she's it. like uh you did it she so didn't buy his bullshit let's just move on and talk about whatever but that's yeah. like she just lets it roll off her back and she's like on to the next thing and i'm for a six-year-old that's so wild it's concerning i'm pretty sure she's not gonna turn out okay <laughs> but also for the actress the little girl, like right you're doing this role I, that's I'll always wonder about that. How do they truly feel? Yeah, because it's harder as a child to separate what's real from what's not real. But I also feel like they picked her because she's probably like this in real life. Possibly. I mean... The smart... Like, more the old for her age type of thing. Yeah, but it has to be... I don't know. I, I wonder what kind of impact it would have on you as a child when you play these kinds of roles. Because is it just lines you're reciting or do you really understand what's happening? Mm. And if you do, what sort of impact does that have on your Does psyche? it make serial killers? Right. I mean, I don't think we've heard of a lot of child actors becoming serial killers, but we do know of a lot of child actors who turn to drugs and suicide and other terrible things. Mm-hmm. So it could just be that they don't know how to deal with these roles that they've played, even though if they were they were kids themselves when they mm-hmm. were playing them. They, they may not be able to separate that from themselves because how could you at yeah. that age that got real deep yeah sorry, sorry guys it was just let's go back to the movie now are we ready to talk about the snails yet or yes we... okay i'm all about the snails yes so what is the deal with the snails i don't know but i did <laughs> but damn I... it sorry i need someone to tell me but i did write somewhere hold on you know, we've discussed this in past episodes. I've done the reptile thing before. Right. But <laughs> I don't... the reptile scene. But I, I don't understand the snail thing. And clearly nobody else does either. No. Because Tony comes over for dinner. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, let's add some snails. Yeah, let's put some snails in here. This was my favorite part. I of loved the movie. this part, and he's like, no, 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 we're not. They're not for eating. And yep. then Tony's insisting, which is kind of annoying. Like this is their house. Like the, you're in somebody else's house. Shut the fuck up. Right. And also, like it does seem like Vic has an attachment to these snails. It, you right. Know. You don't just have a couple of snails and a little carrier. Yeah, like literally, no, he has a whole them. environment down <laughs> yeah. there. Like yeah. Oh, he explains that you can't just eat a snail. You have to starve them first. Right. Otherwise, they poison Otherwise, you. They, their innards would poison you. Mm-hmm. And the way he told the story was very like, fuck you. I kind of like how he delivered it. It was just very like, no, you can't just eat a fucking snail, bro. Like, <laughs> let me tell you something about let snails. Let me, I know snails. No, see. I watched them bone on the daily. It's funny because you liked that scene for a different reason than I did. I liked that scene because this whole movie, because now we're in the last half hour or so. Mm-hmm. And this whole movie, we've been seeing the snails. They just come in. He, like, Vic's with them at times. And you're like, what the fuck Like I said, he's, like, watching them snails. bone and stuff. It's so weird. And so you get to this point where, you know, Tony's like, oh, let's throw some in the pan. You know, we can eat some. And Vic goes, they're not for eating. And Tony's like, well, then what are they for? And he, Vic goes, they're not for anything. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I guess that's our reason for the snails. They're literally not for anything. Because I was expecting some big metaphor or some explanation as to why he's so obsessed with these snails. We never really get it. And then for him to just be like, there's no reason for the snails. I was like, fuck you. I've been waiting for you to tell me why there are snails. Why are you looking so pensive? You seem like you have a I was trying to comment. think if his comment about not eating snails because you need to starve them first. Yeah. Tell me if any of any... this. Because I wrote down everything that had to do with the snails. Um, because he talks about how they can climb a 12-foot wall when they smell their mate based on the scent. So one snail will climb to its mate 12 feet Maybe that's supposed vertically. to be him. Well, obvi- I mean, like, obviously that would be a metaphor to, like, going to extreme lengths for the person to that you love. Wife, yeah. But it's just it's, for him then to at that point say, you know, like, no, you can poison somebody by eating a snail that hasn't been star. Like, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to do this lofty snail metaphor. I would also think, and it just at that didn't point, come across. Give him a fucking snail if you want to kill him. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that would be an easy way. Poison him with don't his, tell with him snail intestines. And give him a snail. Yeah. Easy. I, I I also love how Tony's like how attached like you have so yeah. many how attached to them are you and I was like fuck I fucking really? love my snails there's so many but there are a lot for he probably whatever, has names for every single one for I don't blame him but also He's, for having no purpose for them why so many exactly unless they're all just boning and exactly and even when he's in there with Don mm. and he's like can I smoke and he's like no you'll kill them and he's just like stroking his snails while Don's in there and it's just like. What is that? And some of them are fucking big snails. He roll. Too. He runs them under. Oh, this was the other thing I wanted to talk about. He there's a scene where he's running the snails under a faucet. He's like moistening them, and the movie keeps cutting to memories of Melinda pleasuring herself in the passenger seat of his car. So he's running these snails underwater and thinking about Melinda fingering herself. And it's like, what are we doing here? Are the snails really sexually connected to the story in some way? Like, what is this? 
Are the snails the only action you get? Now, snail trail, that's like... That's dick juice. Okay. But could... I mean, that's the sexual component to a snail reference, I guess. I guess pre-cum or something, maybe. <laughs> so, I can't believe we're talking about this I'm right sorry, now. but I'm trying no, to give you a No, I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying that it's your fault. It's just, I can't believe. But if believe. I had to associate snail trail, I'm thinking pre-cum, probably. Good fucking God. There are too many snails in this movie. And we so don't, much cum. We don't know why. <laughs> I still don't know why. Ugh. He hides... Tony's driver's license in, in the snail because <laughs> I guess Melinda will never go in there but she does but she does so the snails are just like oh he is fucked up Vic is fucked up he's I did got love problems I did love so he's driving <laughs> it's not his car clearly that's not his car the jeep True. whatever it was the old Jeep that he brought to... Oh, when they're going out to Yeah. The, Whose the car gorge. was it? I don't know, but it wasn't he his. He stole it? Just, like, picked it up off the street? Well, I mean, the car he was driving was, like, a nice fucking car the whole movie. So where well, did this they car... They could have another car. I don't know. Hold on. They're rich enough to have another car. He's rich enough. She doesn't do shit. Fair. So he picks up Tony on the side of the road, and he's like, oh, Melinda told... Did yeah, Melinda in contact yeah. with Melinda you? needs to see yeah, him she urgently. She to show you this area, and it's the gorge. Right. And... He gets in the car and he takes him to the gorge and it's like, <laughs> and I go, yes, off-road murder. <laughs> off-road murder would have been no, a better I wrote, name for this movie. Oh, oh, I put off-roading in the name of murder. Oh, off-road murder though is still okay. That's also pretty good. It's another shirt. But yeah, so I thought that scene was so funny because he's just so like, this is a normal thing and they're bumping along and it was just he's going so, so fast. So fast. And yet the death was so simple. Yes. He there throws was a rock in his yeah. head. He falls down the ravine. <laughs> But, like, hardcore falls. Yeah. Actually, everybody does everything hardcore in these last, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> like, he, And he lands. And then Vic goes down there, takes the dog leash, ties a huge rock boulder right. thing to his chest. Now, I'm thinking, it's not a swamp. No. Right? It's not yeah, a swamp? Yeah, no, it's not. Aren't the fingerprints all over him? Oh, or see, they I wash away. I, they would wash away in water. Fingerprints okay. would wash away in water. But what I was thinking was amateur hour. You cut the organs out so that the body sinks. Duh! Like everybody knows that. You don't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, now I'm a little scared. Well, pro tip: if you're trying to sink a body, you cut the organs out. Because never the- go to the beach with you. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's where all the air gets trapped, and that's why bodies float. So if you cut the internal organs out, the body will just sink. So you can bury those separately. And you would think it would make them heavier. The what would? Just having anything in you. No, but but there's air in there, you know? There's there's air. Mm, yeah, I guess you float. We all float down there. <sighs> so anyway, he sinks the body unprofessionally, and... When they come back, because obviously Melinda is randomly decided to be a mother one day yeah, and like, wants We're to go take Trixie on a picnic, and so they go to the gorge. And while Trixie well, can we is hold, off, hold, yeah. hold, hold, okay, hold, hold, okay, okay. I don't know where Trixie is, but they're on the blanket, mm-hmm. and he gives her 
a book slash magazine? Yeah. That he dedicated to her? Right. He did a series of photos of, of her, her. Which I actually guess. looked really nice. It was nice. Yeah. It was, it was nice. a cute gift. If this had been any other movie, like The Notebook or something. And I <laughs> also feel like, nice. why do you feel like you need to put this effort in? Yeah. You're letting her fuck other dudes. Right. You don't have to do anything else. What are you trying to keep her for? What yeah. are you trying to and keep her And he dedicates for? it to the love of his life. And Stop it's like, it. are you kidding? This Wrong. is the worst dysfunctional yeah. relationship I've ever seen. And then she starts to give him a hand job. She sure does. And I'm like, your daughter is on this partner. Yep. I saw this on Facebook, this particular clip. And this was what made me say, holy shit, this movie is going to be a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Because she's just giving him a hand job. In the middle of what I assumed was a public area, it does not seem like there were a lot of people around. So no, I guess but it I mean, was kind of private. Daylight and- it, yeah, it's broad daylight. They brought their daughter with them. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. after their picnic on the way home, they're pretty far from the gorge now. Mm-hmm. And um, Melinda's like, I left my scarf. Yeah, I was. I was confused by that. Do you think that. it was intentional? Yeah, because I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because she, she didn't, she would have to assume that he would say he'd go back and get it. And why would she want him to go back and get it? Right, like who gives a fuck about a scarf? Like if she knew that he killed her lover and, and sunk him in the river that was right there, why would she want him to go back to get her scarf there? But that, I think then that was the setup because then Don shows up. okay. But did she send Don? Yeah, probably. They were in cahoots from the beginning. But he didn't, Don didn't seem to know what was going on when he got there, unless he was playing dumb. He was playing dumb. Okay. Because he had the scarf. Why would you pick up the scarf unless you knew it was hers? This is interesting. Like, what are you going to do? I didn't get that. Yeah. So he's like, oh, and then he's like, oh. What are you doing here? And he's like, Melinda left her scarf. And he's yeah, like, so I'm was- looking for it in the fucking river. It's like, it's right here. It was up here in the grass. And yeah. it's like. As soon as Don came up, I was like, you're going to have to kill this guy because you are literally like in the water trying to wanting- sink a corpse. Yeah. You have no excuse. And there- the best was nothing. that all of a sudden slow, like not even slow-mo, they pan away and they pan to the water and you just see the hand come up out <laughs> and you're like, fuck. It's just so bad. Like, like there's no way to recover no, from that. No, there was none. Like, he would have had to just hold the stick there until Don left and that wasn't going to happen. Okay, but like the, the thing that I don't understand about them being in cahoots. So he, why does, <sighs> I think she knew how invested he was because again, he got the private investigator and all that shit. So she had an inkling, contacted him. Yeah. And that's just how, I mean, it's not that surprising given the whole private investigators part of it. No, it, it's not. It's just, so it's be- his behavior after this, and, and this really bothers me because he has everything he needs now to kind of fuck Vic over. This was so great. And all he does On is drive like a fucking so maniac. Many levels. First of all, he runs to the car. He has time. He has plenty of time. And he's click happy with his fucking Oh life. my god. I'm like, bro, click it <laughs> once. What the fuck are you doing? Yes. Everything he does is just so extra in a way that it never needed to be. No. He's all over the road. All over the road. He's and then he decides he's so going to text his wife. Yes. This made me feel like this is so quintessential boomer, though, because 
my parents will do this. And it's so funny to me because I feel like we grew up in the generation where it was like, don't text and drive because we grew up with phones and where you would be in these situations where you might, might be text tempted to text while you're driving. Mm-hmm. But my mom and my dad, they will both look at their phones just very casually, very ridiculously while they're driving. And I'm like, guys, you're fucking driving right now. What are you doing? And it's weird to me that I have to tell my parents like not to do that. But that's what Don was doing. Oh, it was horrible. And here I am like, just fucking call her. Or just drive. Get to safety. Make make sure you get out of this area because clearly you're off-roading. Yes. And what stressed me out the most though was Vic riding his bike. Yeah. And the visual we got of that stressed me out so much because it a it was fast the sharp turns you couldn't tell where he was no and it was so scared it scared me so he fucking honestly much. don was too busy shit talking vic for a long time and it was it was really pissing off he's like shouting over his shoulder vic can't even hear you and he's like you're gonna catch me on your bike and just shouting derogatory comments out and it's like do you just concentrate on where you're going Right, like, where are we going with this? Like, why are you... Don't taunt him. He can't hear you. Here you are, afraid he's going to kill you, and you're being like, nanny, nanny, poo, poo. Oh, yeah. He's so excited that he's right, which is why he's the most obnoxious character ever and why you can't root for him, because it's just like, could you not? That whole scene was so, was so frustrating to watch. Now, do you think it was coincidental that Vic fell in front yes. of the car? Okay. Yeah, I think that was accidental. I think ultimately that's what he had intended to do was to kind of startle him. Spook him, yeah. Spook him enough that either the car would stop or he would crash into a tree or something. I don't think Vic oh, thought- Oh, he did way more than oh that. Oh my God, this was a I car crash. this one, yeah. This was a car crash. This was intense. And I think that this was just lucky for Vic that it happened in this very dramatic and very final way because there's just no way that Dawn survived this. Oh, no. So it it was just, it worked out. (laughs) It worked out for Vic. (laughs) Can I just, just a quick time out? Mm -hmm. Because this also happens with my relatives from Florida. When you say Dawn, it sounds like Dawn. Oh, sorry. So just so people know throughout the podcast... I'm not She's referring Dawn. to Dawn. D-O-N. I mean, like, how do you distinguish it? Or does it say this sound the, the w, same? W, like, Dawn. Like, well, yeah, I say Dawn. Don't you I say, say Dawn? Yeah. Okay. But given I've heard that, my oh, name pronounced okay. that way. Okay. Given wherever. Right. So from. none of this is my fault. It's Florida's fault. It's Florida's fault. Okay. Not your fault. Fair. Fuck you, Florida. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we love you, Florida. We love you, Florida. <laughs> but back to this shit. Right. Um... So, I mean, that car flies. <laughs> like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> into the ravine. Like, I mean, crash, boom, bang, done. Yep. He's not coming back from that. Never. And he's also a fucking idiot, like how he was looking, like you said. Just get out of there. Then he right. starts looking for the phone because he dropped it. Yes! Like, leave it there. Just let it sit there. How are you comfortable doing that? Like, yes. Just watching him drive on that type of road, which wasn't a road. I would not have the wherewithal right. to even look to the left or the right, let alone try to find a phone exactly. under my seat. And this is my mom, too. Like, her phone will start ringing and it's, like, in her purse. And she's just, like, rummaging around, like, trying to find it. And it's like, maybe you just let this one go to voicemail. Right. While you're driving. <laughs> Yeah. Just wait. I love you, mom. But (laughs) your cell phone habits are weird. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, my dad talk texts everything and the transcription never comes out really. No, I think it's just that weird cross section of the boomer generation intersecting with our millennial technology. They just, they don't, they didn't grow up with it, but they still use it. Mm -hmm. So they use it differently. Not my mom. She's still got a flip phone. Good for her. She knows what's up. A razor, Motorola razor. No, I don't even know what the fuck it is. Oh, man. I wish it was a Razor. That would be fun. Those are the only cool flip phones that existed. They were. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he gets home on his bike. And this is where I was a little confused. Yeah. I mean, not a little, but she's sitting on those awesome steps. Right. Because it's the opening scene again. It is the opening scene. Okay. So, this is what it was then. Yes. Was it then? Yeah. It was the opening scene is the same. Now I have. I know. But now I'm having a weird thought go ahead okay the opening scene is the same as this final scene and when i rewatched it the second time it kind of reconfirmed it because after the opening scene at the beginning of the movie we cut to the deep water title scene and it's the river where um, at the gorge where Mm -hmm. tony's body has been disposed and then the next scene we see could theoretically be that same morning but it's clearly not because it's not because in the beginning he's undressing after biking right takes his pants off because yes. he's all wet but this but she's in the same outfit right oh ooh, i didn't really notice that i think she is well i mean it wouldn't make sense for her to be no but that's where i'm confused because now i'm thinking is he imagining her being okay with everything I, I don't think... Like, we... he gets home and she's just kind of like, I saw Tony. And I was also very confused about this, too. So she finds the wallet and the snails. Right. And she starts packing. Right. For her and Trixie. Mm-hmm. Although it looked like just for her. Yeah, there's one suitcase. One suitcase. And then Trixie sees the suitcase and it's yeah. like, fuck you. Lugs it down the stairs, throws it down the stairs, brings it outside. Then Melinda goes in the room, sees that the luggage is missing... Trixie, Trixie, whatever, goes outside, sees she's about to throw it in the pool. Mm-hmm. Now, this luggage, it's industrial fucking luggage. Yeah, it's not going to get wet. Who gives a fuck if it goes in the pool? Right. She screams and she's like, we're not leaving. And right. pushes the fucking thing in the pool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good for you, Trixie. Your mom's a con. Yeah, but she should have just let her mom leave. But I thought she thought, see, and that's how her and Vic are the same. This kid is the epitome of Vic in a small female child. <laughs> Okay. Because Wait. he's she's State like, you're not evidence. leaving. Kind of like, dad lets you do whatever the fuck you want. Enough. She's even kind of saying, too, like, I put a fucking blind eye to this. You don't see me complaining. Well, the thing that is interesting to me is it seems like Melinda decides to stay because Trixie doesn't want to leave. Then why help Vic out and burn the contents of the wallet? Well, because now she's invested in keeping their family together and she doesn't want any evidence to remain that he was involved. But what's weird to me is that Trixie would have triggered that because I never got the impression that she was all that excited to have a family in the first place. You know, like how did Trixie convince her to stay unless it was something else? Again, unless she feels ganged up on by her daughter and her husband. She could still leave. She could still leave. But again, that's I guess she's afraid of what he would do. Well, we keep talking about what Vic gets out of this. What does she get out of it besides his money? And getting to fuck whoever she wants. Maybe that's why. Well, she could do that without him. So unless it's just that she wants his money and to fuck guys, then that's why she's staying. It really is a cool deal. I mean, no, it's a great deal. That's the deal. (laughs) 
But just how that ends, where, like, they kind of give each other the look. She's like, I saw Tony. And right. Then, There's an acknowledgement of what's going yeah. on. And sort of like a... I'll let this one slide. I accept you, sort of. But this... Okay, this is where I am annoyed. She was so upset about Charlie. Doesn't shed a tear for the guy she's known for years. Yeah. And uses this instance to agree with Vic or be on his side or help him out whatever it is right yeah she's fu- oh they're all fucked but still it's just such a weird well weird thing the only other thing I could think of and tell me if you think that this is viable do you think that in the way that Vic is staying with her because it's exciting and sort of fucked up but still just very compelling does she find the fact that he's willing to kill for her so romantic she might and be exciting turned on by that yeah that she wants to stay with him for that i considered that theory but the reason that i don't 100 percent like it is because she was so upset when he killed these people and it really didn't seem like she wanted him to kill these guys right she was ready to leave him until trixie said you're not leaving so i don't know what made her stay i don't know if it has anything to do with vic but it doesn't make sense that it would have something to do with Trixie because yeah, she no. never seemed like she was connected to that child throughout the entire movie. No. So, I mean, that's the big question for me is why Why are they still together at the end of this? <laughs> because I don't know what he's getting from her. I don't know what she's getting from him to make this marriage work. No, we really didn't get any answer to that. We didn't. That's the end that's of the this end. movie. Now, this did get adapted from a book. Did it? Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have to read the book. <laughs> well, I know the alternate ending now because I read a lot of shit. Wait, there's an alternate ending? Like, Well, the book ends differently. Oh, my God. Tell me. Which is so much better. Oh, <gasps> Tell me. He ends up going back and strangling her instead. Oh, instead of Tony? No, he or, kills Tony. Oh, he home, kills Tony and then comes home. And, and then, yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a huge difference. A huge difference. I have a lot more respect for that. Right? Like... Because that's I feel sort like of, that's a solution. Like I mean, yeah, that's, we have an end. That's a fool me once, shame on you. Yeah, fool me twice, shame on me. That like that's that sort of ending. So now that she has proven that she can't remain faithful, then he fucking kills her. Yeah, I like that a lot. Right. Better. I wonder why they changed it. And the crazy part of it is, this book was written. It was published in 1957. 1957? Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Wow. Now I really want to read it because that must be. And it was bo- brought back into print in 2003. Holy shit. That has to be a really, like a totally different story because, you know, Vic's profession, as stated in the movie, was that he designed microchips for bombs or drones drones and like that was not a thing back in the 50s this is the this is what the book description is in deep water set in the quiet small town of little wesley patricia highsmith has created a vicious and suspenseful tale of love gone sour Vic and melinda van allen's loveless marriage is held together only by a precarious arrangement whereby in order to avoid the messiness of divorce melinda is allowed to take any number of lovers as long as she does not desert her family Eventually, Vic can no longer suppress his jealousy and tries to win back his wife by asserting himself through a tall tale of murder, one that soon comes true. In this complex portrayal of a dangerous psychosis emerges, emerging 
In the most unlikely of places, Highsmith examines the chilling reality behind the idyllic facade of American suburban life. That's in 1957. Damn, that's crazy. I really want to read this book now because I think, honestly, even just from that brief synopsis, I feel like I got more information than I did from this movie because that makes yes, it sound it like definitely this- more compelling. Well, that makes it sound like this was an official arrangement between them that, you know, that she's allowed to take lovers. Mm-hmm. But I, I never really felt like that was- like they had discussed it. It almost felt like she just did it and he accepted it. That they never sat down and said, this is how we're going to do it. Right. It just kind of happened that way and Vic never protested. So I, I don't know. I feel like it could benefit from further context. And and I would actually really like to read that book just to kind of fill in some of those blanks. Because I want to say for the most part, they said that it's true to the book, except for the ending. Yeah, you and I were both left with a lot of questions here. So I think maybe, maybe the book could answer those questions. Yeah, and satisfy our... I wonder why they changed the ending. That's really fascinating to me because it's that's major. Maybe just to, I guess, maybe the thrill of the the unspoken connection of some sort. Like, we're not going to discuss it, but we're cool. Yeah, well, yeah, that whole that sexy you would kill for me and I am also kind of crazy. So we are perfect for each other in our brands of crazy without saying it out loud. Yeah, sort of Gone Girl ish. Mm -hmm. So Gone Girl was fucking amazing. Ben Affleck was in that movie, too. I know. (laughs) So interesting. I got actually similar vibes. A little bit. Similar. Not the same, but similar. Not the same. Right. Anyway. A little break from Riverdale to bring you something different. Yes. And, you know, itching to do it since it was just released. We enjoyed this one, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we definitely enjoyed talking about it. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it was a long movie, so... It was. It, I had, it took me two days to watch. I mean, it's kind of late to say this, but if you don't want to watch it, you could just listen to us talk about it, because right. that'll give you enough. But if you need, like, a two-day thing, stop around the pool part. <laughs> around the death? Isn't right before. That, oh, okay. I was going to say, that's, like, kind of when it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I stopped right before that, so it made it easier to watch the second half, because that's okay. how it started, and I was like, yeah, oh, escalates. shit. Yeah. All right, so pro tips there. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we're we're going to come at you with more Riverdale because that's what we do these days. Mm-hmm. And other movies, should they come to us, potentially Windfall. Yeah, I still have to watch next. it. We'll, we'll see if that's a contender. Uh, yes, I was a big fan of Jason Segel. It was, it was fine. <laughs> it's an interesting cast dynamic from what I could see so far. Like, you know, trailers and stuff. Just the three of the Jesse Plemons. Like, I would never put the three together, you know? No, and... I think maybe after watching it, you would feel the same way. Really? We'll see. You're selling me. You're selling. (laughs) We'll see how you feel. But yeah, you can find us on all the social media, on our website. We're on every platform streaming. Links are in our show notes. Yes, they are. So we make it super easy for you to find us everywhere. Mm -hmm. Dawn curates wonderful content for all of our social media. Thank you. I am so inept, so I don't. But but you do get it together. You do do the listening and you do pull yeah. the quotes and the sound bites. So yeah, we're it's a team it effort. It is a team effort. But visually, it's all done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committed to my craft. Well, I want to thank honestly. Twitter's been 
all Blasty Blast. I want to thank the regulars who have been super supportive and getting our name out there at So Wizard Podcast, 69 Whiskey, Stew World Order, Super Marcy, Drunk Theory, Drunk Logic, That Damn Podcast, Leo Allen, Cut Above Horror, Nerd Grapevine, which I love their name. It's Nerded Through the Grapevine, which is oh, phenomenal. Oh, clever. Wordplay, A+. Also, there's a ton of horror movie podcasts that have been amazing as well. Oh, and thanks to the people who have left us reviews on places. Yes. We would love to get more reviews. Definitely. So thank you to those people who have taken their time yes, to- Yes, Stew World Order left us an amazing review on Apple Podcasts. At Classius Witches, which is which is talking tarot on Good Pods. They gave us a great review on our Santa Draws episode. Classic. But yeah, so if you can, on top of subscribing, rating, liking, engaging with us on social media, please, if you can give us some reviews, that would be great. Yes, as somebody who relies heavily on reviews when I purchase or listen to anything, would love to just get some more feedback so that other people can realize how awesome we are. <laughs> so we, so they agree with you guys so far, the ones that definitely hardcore listen. Yes, create a following for us. You know, we can only do so much. <laughs> and then we need you to take us the rest of the way. And next time we talk to you, it'll be the next Riverdale episode. Yikes. So <laughs> God save us all. <laughs> We can't even predict what's going to happen. No, so. I don't even know what to say about that. It's probably going to be a shit show. So that's our probably, specialty. Yeah. <laughs> so we will see you next time.